0: Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 Accumulation Index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker.
1: Well, hello and welcome everyone to Australia's Hour of Investing Power. It's the show that's as great as you want it to be. It's Spotty Live. Yep, still in lockdown from Melbourne Town. And for the next 60 minutes, we're going to answer your questions live on air. So you better send them in quick. Uh, The text machine, Dexter, is waiting for your message. You can text Dexter on 0480 079 089. Or, of course, you can get on the email question at spotty.com. And those details will appear at the bottom of the screen throughout the show. But of course, put it in your smartphone and that way you can get it to us quickly when you have that itch that needs to be scratched. Got it right this time. Okay, so let's bring in today's chief spotters, starting with a great friend of the program. Uh, He's an investment educator extraordinaire. It's David Novak from WealthWise Education. G'day, David. How are you doing?
0: Great, Elio. Thanks. How are you? Hey, by the way, compliments on the haircut. If your wife, your wife's doing a great job. No, right, no,
1: no. <laughs> no, no. It's three kilos of emulsified hog fat, actually, keeping it in place, to, uh, to be quite frank and honest with you. Otherwise, I'd be looking like, uh, you know, the old uh, Professor Clark. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. Let's get on to what you do for a living, not cutting hair. You actually educate investors. Tell us a bit about, you know, your education business at Wealthwise Education and, and how you go about it and yeah. what you educate uh, clients on.
0: Yeah, thanks, Elio. Yeah, I've been doing, we've been uh, educating our clients for 23 years, WealthWise Education, and, um, and and thousands of people. And the thing we teach is how to identify undervalued growing companies and all parts from a technical to buy and when to sell, especially, yeah, timing is the key, you know, knowing when to get in and having an exit strategy. About 95% of people I've educated have no exit strategy, knowing when to get out, especially when to get out and and equally not not knowing when to get in as well. So so that's the two things. We combine the fundamentals with the technicals and we also teach derivative strategies, showing people how to protect their downside risk um, in their self-managed portfolio, for example, or how to trade derivatives, you know, markets going up or down. So that's the other thing is most investors, 95%, only know how to make money when the market's going up, don't know how to make money when the market's going down. And that's how you can do that on derivatives as well, especially right now with afterpay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Extremely volatile as it is. So go to wealthwiseeducation.com to learn more about the services that David offers. And I believe there's some education session, sessions coming towards the end of next month. So good time to start planning uh, for that. Now, next is a spotty debutante. Uh, it's uh, Felipe Bui from Medallion Financial Group. G'day, Felipe, how are you doing?
2: Hi Elio, thanks for having me on the show.
1: No, thank you very much for coming on because I know uh, regular uh, watchers of Spotty will know who uh, Medallion Financial Group are with our great friend, Michael Wayne. Uh, But you know, on this show, I don't really want the guy that counts the money. I want the one who actually makes the (laughs) money and that's why we brought you on board. So with an almighty pump like that, Felipe, I need you to tell us a bit about yourself, uh, what you do at Medallion and how uh, you guys help investors every single day.
2: Yeah, so I'm one of the directors here, uh, essentially at Medallion Financial. We're a private wealth firm based in Sydney. Uh, We mainly focus on the top 300 ASX. Uh, So we don't look at anything speculative. We don't look at anything that hasn't been making any money. Uh, The key for us is that we mainly focus on conservative investments. Uh, We look at financials. We look at the balance sheet very closely. We look at management. Once we've identified what sectors we're happy to look at, we then present those ideas to
1: our clients. So medallionfinancial.com.au is where you can go to learn about the services that Felipe and Michael um, offer investors uh, and also to get a cross as to the uh, service that they provide and how they may be able to assist you if you're interested. So we're rock- locked and ready, folks. All we need now are your questions. So send them through right, uh, right away. Uh, before we get started though, just a reminder that all the uh, information in today's show is of a general nature only. None of it takes into account your financial objective situations or needs. And therefore, should you decide to act on any on any of the information, you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances. Yes, past performance is no indicator of future performance. And if you wish to discuss any of this content with anyone other than your significant other in life, then you need to do so with an advisor that's licensed to do so. And remember that our guests will try as best they can to remember to tell you whether they hold an interest in a stock that is discussed in today's show. But in the heat of battle, sometimes we do forget by all means, feel free to contact us directly and we'll be more than happy as to to disclose um, as to whether we have an interest in the stock or not. Also for the next hour, Spotty is proud to be powered by our sponsors at ShareWealth Systems. My great friend Gary Stone started ShareWealth Systems in 1995 and since then he's helped investors protect and grow their share portfolio with a rules-based investing approach that gives them an edge over others. So if you wish to learn more about the team powering our spotlight here at Spotty, then uh, you can go to their website, sharewealthsystems.com, and be sure to read all the relevant information on screen before making any decisions. Uh, At the moment, uh, as we go to air, the market's currently slightly down. Uh, Just having a look at the all-ordinaries, 0.07%, the XJO, 0.09%. Of course, this is the last uh, spotty um, episode for this week, so uh, get your questions in if you want to. Gentlemen, let's go straight into it. I wanna start with the topic of the day. Uh, Now, uh, interesting update from the Bank of Queensland. And I wanna know basically, does the Bank of Queensland's update today remind us that it's tough for banks in the real world, or is these issues just related to them being a regional bank? And by that I'll throw in Bendigo and Adelaide um, uh, Bank as well. So uh, for those that might've missed the update today, the lowest dividend in 38 years, profit down by some 61%, net interest margin also uh, continuing to slip by two BIPs down to 1.91%. Was it that bad? Um, I suppose is the question I want to know, particularly from you, Felipe. time for you to step up the plate for your uh, maiden hit. Um, you know, was the provisioning enough that they actually put up? You know, are there more challenges ahead? You know, I mean, they did sell the St. Andrews insurance business for $23 million, which is finally something that they're glad to see the back of, I'm sure. Um, the stock had a little bit of a bounce on the uh, today's results. So the market thinks the worst is over, or perhaps may think. What do you think?
2: Yeah, look, to be very upfront with you, I was actually surprised. The stock's up about 4% at the moment. Um, At the end of the day, net profits down about 60%. The dividend was cut to 12 cents, which is about an 82% decrease. Um, To your point, I think it's a little bit of both, not only the real world challenges, but also regional. So BOQ has a lot of concentration risk in terms of their loan book. Uh, At the same time, their cost of funding is far higher. Um, At Medallion, look, we've never been buyers of banks. Um, The big difference for us is at the moment we do see a little bit of value in the big four. Uh, The price to book ratios are close to the lows of the 90s. So we wouldn't be delving into the regionals, but if you looked at a Westpac or possibly CBA, uh, it's something we'd be open to at the moment.
1: Now, David, I suppose the banks are always a topic that comes up front of mind because so many retail investors have them and given you educate retail investors, they're gonna keep asking you about them. So Bank of Queensland's update today, the price has spiked. You know, the broader banks have had a bit of a rally in recent times. They've found quite a bit of support, and that's uh, been a big catalyst for our market heading northeast in recent times. Your view on them, uh, you know, as a collective and even Bank of Queensland, if you have a have a view specifically about that?
0: Yeah, look, I've, I've said some a time ago that the growth story is over for the banks uh, some some time ago, and especially when, um, you know, the banks like CBA was over 100 dollars I thought that was the, the peak as far as I was concerned.
1: Mm. Yeah, fair so, enough. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, David, I might get you to shut down a few of your browsers if you don't mind. We're just getting a little bit of cutback uh, in regards to the audio. The and, uh, oh, whoops It, daisy I just missed okay. that. Uh, yeah, just cut the, Cut out a few of those and then we'll, uh, we'll come back to you shortly. I'm sure we'll get that rectified very quickly. All right then, so let's get into uh, questions uh, straight away. I wanna start with one. You know, big news item, of course, uh, in corporate Australia land in recent weeks has been the merger between Northern Star and Saracen. Of course, diggers and dealers is occurring at the moment in Kalgoorlie, right next door to their playground. Uh, But of course, they've got other assets. The question comes from George and Felipe. Again, I'm going to get you to uh, open up and then I'll ask for David his view on the banks when I go back to him next, folks. So don't worry, you won't miss out on that. Uh, George says, I've been a believer in Northern Star for a long time, basically since they bought Polsons in 2010, in fact. Uh, from a fundamental perspective, um, can uh, this firm now overtake Newcrest, given that they've merged with Saracen, uh, code SAR for that? So Northern Star, NST. Felipe, your view uh, on the business and your general take on the merger?
2: Well, uh, George, it's a good question. If you've held them since 2010, you've probably done amazingly well. Done I think they are well. probably around 20 or $0.30. Cents. Um, the short answer is yes. Uh, with the merger, I think they've capped at around $19 billion. Uh, Newcrest off the top of my head is around 26, 27 bill market. Cap. But if you then look at the underlying fundamentals, uh, you'll see that both Saracen and Northern Star have far stronger track histories in terms of their earnings growth, in terms of their revenue growth and their return on equity. Mm-hmm. Um, so realistically, I don't see a reason why they couldn't overtake Newcrest over the next two to three years. Um, so I think it's a good investment and i still be buying both of those businesses, in particular Northern Star. Uh, because essentially, sooner or later, it's going to be an acquisition of Saracen shares. So each holder of Saracen is going to be getting 0.37 Northern Star shares.
1: That's right. And the conglomerate, I mean, they're both proven producers. And uh, Finn going to effectively be running it. Bowman's going to become the chairman. It's a match made in heaven and pretty exciting stuff. Now, Dave, now that we've got you back, um, I might ask you, Tapu, you for a comment on NST. Um, And, you know, in general, gold sort of space, uh, particularly gold price in US dollar terms, because it's sort of tracking sideways at the moment. And then once you're done nailing that, uh, your comment about the banks, please.
0: Yeah, um, the merger between Saracen and Northern Star looks really a, a good one. You know, there's a lot of synergies and cost savings, but also the return on equity is double that of Newcrest. Yeah. So this merge group will yeah. have a market cap combined, I think, as Philip said, about $18.7 billion compared to you know, $26 billion for Newcrest, but double the return on equity. So um, you know, it, that means you know, there's more value, in, I can see, in this merged outfit compared to Newcrest. So I think there's going to be a, a closing of the gap there between yep. the two companies. And I think eventually Northern Star and Saracen with this merge group will become the number one producer in Australia.
1: Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget, Newcrest will probably stuff something else up, which will bring them down the pack, too. With all due respect to Newcrest shareholders, unfortunately, they seem to yeah, be but, a little bit of
0: that. Yeah, their forecast return on equity for the next two years is between 10 and 12 percent versus, you know, when you look at the combined the, uh, unit of Saracen and uh, Northern Starts between 20 and 25 percent return on equity. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the comparison between the two.
1: Yeah. So let's go to the banks now, David. So your view uh, on them uh, as a whole. And do you think, uh, you know, the worst may be over for Bendigo? Oh, sorry, for uh, Bank of Queensland.
0: Well, like, look, the Bank of Queensland, I think, you know, the positive for that is, that, you know, in Queensland, there's a lot of resource projects and you know, gas gas projects and LNG, etc. So, you know, they've got that. That's a growth sector that uh, obviously the bank can tap, tap into. But look, I, I don't see it as a growth sector of the banks. You know, basically I avoid it. Um, I think it's tougher space for the regionals with the competition of the majors. But you know, it's, uh, it's people are desperate for income, you know, retirees especially. So they might just buy them for the income, the dividend. But um, for growth, uh, I think it's had its day in the sun, quite
1: personally. Yeah, no, fair, fair assumption. I'm happy to uh, defer to that assessment. Um, it doesn't change uh, the investment perspective for the banks from my side of things. I'm happy to, Give that one a side berth um i might stick with you on this one here david just in regards to blue scope code bsl for those playing along at home um now a question comes from glenn he sends it on the text machine 0480-079089 and he says it seems like it's priced now like there is no economic crisis according to him i'm taking profits here do the panel think it has further to run or you know or should or would the fundamentals look like it's going to push it higher still so You know, Bluescope's one of those interesting businesses, David. Uh, You know, when the minute you think it shouldn't do well, it does well. And then the minute you think it should fly, it does rubbish. It is absolutely the bizarro world of stocks. It's it's quite unique and dynamic how it does that. And I've looked at BlueScope for a very, very long time now. Your view in regards to BSL, do you think taking profits at these levels is a prudent strategy? um, Or would you suggest that or do the fundamentals or even the technicals? look like that there's enough to support it moving forward still
0: well look if you look at the the numbers i mean the the earnings growth has been pretty um ordinary you know the revenue growth was negative down 10 percent so you know and and the earnings growth was down 61 percent from the previous year so just on those numbers alone i agree with the caller that you know uh, the viewer that um you know this this is price for perfection and it's 28 times earnings multiple and I just can't see the continuation of the earnings growth given the, the, the numbers so you know to me it's uh, profit taking for sure you know or you know as it's approaching that high but definitely taking some money off the table would be prudent in my view or just keep writing it until you get a signal to get out you know that's the other thing the technical signal which there isn't at the moment but you know, the major resistance up here is around just below $16. So you could just write it, but I would definitely, you know, it's had a big bounce here from $13 to fourteen fifty in a matter of a week. So, you know, uh, percentage wise, I'd, I'd be certainly tempted to take some money off the table here.
1: Yeah, all right, Felipe, I'll spare you blue scope because we know kids in China eat steel for breakfast. Obviously, that's how they're consuming so much. So I want to go back to a stock that also had a pretty big day yesterday. It was Telstra actually, which held its AGM virtually. Uh, record time for AGMs at the moment being done all virtually because our friends at the ASA unfortunately can't actually tune in online and can't ask their questions. G'day to all my friends there. I hope you're doing all well. Yeah. Helen sent a, uh, an email through and uh, wanted to know about the uh, AGM at Telstra, said, the, or the company said that they're gonna retain their dividend at 16 cents, even if their payout ratio blows out, basically uh, in essence saying they'll pay out more in dividends than cash they earn. Now that didn't really work all that well for them <laughs> in recent times. The market liked it though, the, um, the stock price uh, had a good uh, bounce on that news. What's your thoughts in regards to uh, the old chestnut uh, Telstra-Felipe? And I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in your views because let's face it, so many retail investors do hold it. Yeah,
2: look, a lot of clients that we deal with come across with Telstra, and for years we've been sellers of the stock. Um, It's definitely not a great look that they might have to go outside of that payout ratio. Uh, They did so about four or five years ago when they were paying 31 cents. They did it once, and then afterwards they cut the dividend. They've never been back. Uh, Telstra is a business, and if you look at the fundamentals, wasn't able to grow earnings for 10 years straight, whilst you had M2 Telecommunications, IINet, TPG Telecom, all doing extremely well and taking advantage of the boom. So for us, although short term, it, it might be good for investors and in that they might like the idea of a short term dividend, long term, the fact that they're flagging that they may have to go outside those parameters isn't a good sign.
1: Yeah, well, that's a great face palm. I like that. Talk to the hand. Uh, there's your response from Felipe. He's uh, in no uncertain terms there. I mean, David, it was they went for a decade paying 28 cent dividends until they died, no matter what was coming, whether it was crazy Mexicans at the helm, or very friendly uh, David Thodes, whoever it was, they kept doing it, a totally unsustainable model that cost their share price significantly over the long run. Gross underinvestment in new projects that actually work. They kept throwing money, good money after bad. (sighs) Is the AGM the turning point? Can people see a bit of hope in Telstra? What's your view, David?
0: only if you want the dividend you know if you, it's just to me it's a dividend play um you know look there yeah. there are a lot of analysts out there there's about 10, 10 bloke broker analysts that are uh, that i've got a medium price on the stock somewhere between the target low of three dollars to you know up to um three uh, four dollars twenty so the medium is about three dollars 47 so based on that just broker target Analysts expecting you know there's more upside in the stock, but uh, look, I can't get excited about it. Yeah, there's 5G coming, but if you look at their numbers, their return on equity has been going down consistently as well, and their earnings per share as well. So it's not you know it's that's why the share price has been going down because it certainly hasn't been a growth story. That's for sure. Yeah, although
1: you know sorry, David.
0: Yeah, For, for dividend and a little bit of upside. You know, it looks like it's getting some technical support as well on the chart so to me this this looks like after the big jump with big volume yesterday it you know could easily get back up to three dollars and you know possibly 350 but three dollars is a first target i think
1: yeah it's interesting folks whenever anyone tells me oh you know it it pay you know you might invest in a further dividend i just think of you know when I put a jacket on and my wife says, oh, yeah, no, that's kind of slimming when in fact it actually makes me look like I'm about to explode. Um, in all honesty, there's a lot of challenges. There's competitive pressures all across the board. Warehouse pricing from M isn't coming down anytime soon. Yes, 5G is the next catalyst, but they're not alone. There's a lot of providers coming on board that have actually already delivered it and are rolling it out even a little quicker. Um, I just, I, I really struggle to see uh, Telstra from an investment perspective um, where it may very well um, uh, benefit moving forward. And I think this line in the sand sort of talk is rubbish. It cost them before, it had cost them again. I think uh, investors would be best served by directors that are uh, not delusional trying to find hooks to keep you into a business, You know, golden handcuffs for the use of a better term. Um, and actually focusing their attention on growing. But that's our view, that's what we all have in the market. For everyone who sells a stock, someone's got to believe that it's a buy, otherwise you can't dump it. Uh, okay, uh, now another stock uh, for you, Philippe. I'll stay with you. An interesting business, Janice Henderson Group, code JHG. Uh, now the, this investor, Izzy, uh, has said that they've held this stock for years, back when it was Henderson Group. Now it's showing signs of life now, but um, they're a little bit skeptical. So they wanna know, should they take their money at this point, or is it something worth waiting for what's happening with price? Now, Izzy, we can't take your, into account your personal objectives or situation. So i just got to frame that, remember that. So all Felipe can do is talk about the business in general um, and what his view is of the business from Medallion Financial Group's perspective. So uh, Felipe, take it away.
2: Yeah, so Janice Henderson, it is actually one that we hold uh, for some clients. Um, if she held it for a number of years, she would have had it as Henderson Group. They then merged with Janus. Uh, I think in two two thousand and sixteen, before Brexit, mm-hmm. um, they were a star stock. They were doing really well. Henderson Group had a number of equity funds uh, in Australia and also the UK. Janus was predominantly in fixed income and bonds over in the US. Um, the big problem came when Brexit came around. Yep. Uh, what happened is they had a number of years where they had a lot of outflows in terms of their funds and also their performance fees were well below targets. Um, the recent pickup is predominantly because a, a company called Trian Investment Partners has come in as an activist investor and bought a 9.9% stake of them. Okay. Um, they had a 15% or so jump, I think, last week or the week before. Um, at this stage, look, it's still one that we'd be happy to hold. Uh, they sit on low PE of about 10.5%, 11 They pay a dividend of roughly 5%. Uh, so although it's not one that I think is going to go up another 30, 40% anytime soon, uh, we don't see a reason why it couldn't continue to appreciate. And as David might might touch upon, the trend looks fairly strong at the moment.
1: Well, OK, David, given Felipe wants my job, what do you think?
0: Yeah, well, look, um, I, I think stick with the trend and um, or, you know, if you were lucky enough to buy it uh, under mid September below 27, uh, you, you'd be prudent to take some some profits, and it's coming approaching a major resistance at $40, where pre-COVID, where it fell from $40 down to 22.50. So it's had a fantastic uh, run-up here. So just stick with it, or take some profits if you bought them, if you were lucky enough to jump on lower levels um, as we approach this major resistance level up here.
1: Yeah, um, for me, look, yes, it's had its bolt. Uh, I don't know, I've sort of looked at it and covered it for quite some time. Unfortunately, it's bolt. Fortunately, I suppose it's been good that uh, sort of sidestepped it. Maybe this is the catalyst. Um, I haven't looked into it, so I can't really provide a a view either way uh, in that regard, is he? Now, David, I will stick with you though. One company that had a, a investor update today whose share price has popped on the back of that is EML Payments, code EML, for those of you playing along at home. Uh, now, with regards to EML, they're currently, all oh, their share price is up 9.5%. Um, the presentation, I know a lot of people think of it as being the prepaid cards and all that sort of thing. And it's one of the topics I have tried to explain to people on this show, that it's a lot more than that these days. It's now a payment gateway business. Um, but obviously its price had been under some pressure but it has found some support in recent times. So David, just your view in regards to that price action uh, specifically, I'll ask Felipe for that sort of fundamental view, but what's your view in regards to EML from the price action? Has it formed enough of a base now to give investors some confidence who may believe in the story to consider a bit of a nibble now and what levels would they be watching from here?
0: Well, uh, look, there's great volume here, Elio, in the in the stock, you know, with this bounce, big bounce today, uh, up nine and a half percent, with with a bit of volume behind it. So it's broken above this resistance, previous resistance level, which was around three dollars forty. So look, there's no reason why I couldn't track high if it's got a bit of momentum here, um, up to four dollars, which is the previous high there, just just a little over four dollars. So. you know, it, it has got the, well, some momentum here, but uh, I certainly wouldn't be, I uh, look, it's on value, um, you know, if you're just looking at multiples, the earnings multiple, it's something like a 99 times earnings, mm-hmm. which is a bit rich. And um, if I'm looking at uh, also just give me a minute here to just find, find it. But if I look at the um, yeah, the forward uh, earnings forecast is 37 times, it's 1. 3 billion just under 1.3 billion market cap so look it's a, it's a momentum play as far as i'm concerned and it's in that space of you know it's all bundled in that buy now pay later uh space at the moment where there's a lot of momentum
1: yeah look it, obviously the back-end payment system felipe i mean in that announcement i think the real kicker that everyone latched onto there was something like 46 contracts signed in the last two quarters they've got 331 coming in the pipeline and. There's a massive amount in terms of dollar um, dollar flow transaction expected, and the market's really latched onto that. And there is evidence that they are signing over clients. There's a pretty steady flow of new customers coming on board. Although I do have to, uh, uh, you know, good old young Tom Crichton, who runs the firm, said, look, we don't go out and necessarily pump every single uh, development we have. For that, that's what social media is for. Um, we're, we're focused on running a business, and I do love that sort of talk. Uh, for those who have ever met Tom, you'll know he has quite a dry and Yeah, straight down the line sense of humour. But Felipe, EML payments, EML, is it one that you're familiar with? Um, Do you you like the stock? Um, Or are you still waiting for a bit more evidence before committing uh, funds to it?
2: Look, it's not one that we'd be buying for clients. Uh, Predominantly, it just doesn't meet all of the filters. As David mentioned, on a market cap of 1.3 bill, it's a little bit rich considering there's not a huge amount of profit. Mm-hmm. Um, on some of the metrics look revenue growth has been decent earnings per share has been decent. So there's definitely things tracking the right direction. Uh, but for us to go and jump in, especially after it's already had a, a massive run in the last six months since the COVID pullbacks uh, would be fairly speculative. There's another a number of other opportunities we'd prefer to focus on in the technology space.
1: Yeah, no, that that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. Now, um, David, just quickly, uh, just to let you know, we'll be coming to you for your uh, stocks to help us see the light on. So, if you don't mind uh, uh, getting yourself prepped for that, I'll just quickly answer this question from Young Josh, who wants our view in regards to Zenith Minerals, code ZEN. Oh, sorry, Z N C. Um, it's had some good discoveries recently at Red Mountain, but it seems like the market doesn't like it. Well, for those who don't know uh, Explorer, it's an explorer looking for all sorts of stuff, but more focused on gold at the moment, though it does have some base metal unexplored assets as well. It's a bit unfair though to say that it's done nothing, given that it's gone up from two cents to 11 cents in some six months, that's a very big increase. However, I think what you're referring to is the recent drilling at Red Mountain, but most of the pop that came from that particular um, uh, exploration activity really occurred back in June. Uh, where the share price jumps on 40% on the back of that. Um, And the work today, it's also important to know that a lot of it has been shallow drilling. There is deeper core drilling yet to come. And I think that may very well be the next catalyst that could move it from here on in. So it's got three projects, uh, two that it's drilling right now. It's got a $34 million market cap. It's looking for the mother load as all miners uh, uh, tend to do. Um, You know, The uh, the good thing about it is the, the prospective area, it's around near Mount Morgan, which is a proven, uh, producer as well, they raised 5 million in July and they're drilling like crazy. So really, other than just to say, we're gonna to have to wait and see what sort of drill bits come through. But yeah, like I said, look for that deeper drilling uh, results to possibly be the next catalyst. And yeah, fingers crossed, at least um, a lot of that surface drilling above 100 meters was actually quite good. So hopefully that helps you there. All right then, David, it's time for you to help bring our attention to two stocks that we're going to total off and do our own research into. Um, in order to see whether they align with our investment objectives and tolerance to risk. So going to help us see the light on, thanks.
0: Okay, well, the first one, Elio, is in the gold space. Uh, I like this one a lot. I only discovered it only just a week ago, actually funny enough, I spoke to the CEO um, yep. about, I called up and to verify these numbers because I looked at them and thought, is this for real? Um, it's Medusa Mining. Yep. Um, Now the code is MML, I think they're around 80, 81 cents. They've got a market cap around 165, 170 million. The thing I was impressed about, which is what I'm looking for, which what Felipe pointed to before at the beginning, is looking for companies that are generating strong cash flow. And this one's certainly doing that in the gold space. You know, they're they're producing between their forecast for the next 12 months is 90 to 95,000 ounces. With an all-in sustaining cost of US between 1200-1250. Now with the gold price up near you know, 1900, recently it slipped below that last night. I mean they're they're making you can you know just do the numbers on 800 million uh, US profit margin on 90 if you take the lower projection of 90,000. So that generates say you know um, a cash flow of something like 100 million on a market cap of um, like I said. A, just under 170. And also they've got $47 million in the bank at the end of June. Um, that That's probably gone up since then with this September reporting coming up this month. But they had 47 million US. So you're talking, you know, what, what's that about 70 odd million in the bank. So, you know, on a PE, it looks ridiculously cheap. And look, the problem is, I looked at it, well, why is, why is the market being so negative? Cause it's gone down from a dollar five, went to a low of about 75 cents, it's bouncing now. I think it'll easily get back to a dollar five. But the main, the main um, reason appears to be, you know, it's based in the Philippines. Um, that's obviously, you know, a sovereign risk in anything that was based in, based in the Philippines. But I spoke to the CEO about it. They've been there a long time. They've got underground mining. It's not open cut. There was environmental concerns like what happened to red which um, had to close down their mine for environmental reasons, for the reason it was open cut, this is not the case. Anyway, I could go on and on, but on a valuation perspective and cash flow, I like it. And they're also uh, will be paying dividends and they have paid dividends in the past as well. Second one I've mentioned before, Horizon Oil. I I like this one, it's a small cap. It's only got 77 million market cap. They produce 1.4 million barrels of oil, which is about 350,000 barrels per quarter. Their net cash flow last quarter is 8.8 million US. So that's about 13 gross. I mean, this company's generating, by my estimations, you know, and I've spoken to the CEO again about this one, it's, you know, 15 million. So their net cash flow, they reduced their debt from 2018 from 130 million to be debt free today in two years. So they're a strong um, cash generation with the gold, with the oil price being over $40. Their cash, their costs are around $12 US. Um, look out, their there cash flow reports coming out um, this, uh, this coming month. So that one, I think from six cents, uh, code is HZN. I uh, mm-hmm. could easily double from here from six to 12 in my view. So that's what I look for. I'm looking for companies that actually make money, you know, and have a strong balance sheet. And, you know, I'm not like after these bubbly, you know, buy now, pay later stocks yeah. and the stories that, that they'll run their theme. And, you know, like it's always been in the past we are seeing the same thing with Afterpay, all of it. It's all the social media. I, I had millennials in my course only a few weeks ago. had no idea why they bought Sezzle and these other stocks. They had no idea whether they made money or not. I said, yeah. well, why did you buy them? Because they'll recommend it on Facebook. Hello?
1: Yeah, there's going to be... I said, well, you know, they do make
0: any money. But anyway, that, enough said.
1: No, and well said too. But, yeah, look, obviously, MML and Horizon. And with regards to Medusa, yeah, the other little issue is they've had rebels, unfortunately, in the south of the Philippines, which have caused issues in the past before, but it appears President uh, Duterte has got that under control. Um, All right, we're a little over halfway now, so just remember those details, question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480 079089. We will power through questions. Uh, now because of course it is the last show of the week and you can go to our website spotty.com.au to view all the past episodes and we are available on all your favorite podcast channels as well. Now we continue with our exploration of the 16 traits of successful investing that our great supporters at ShareWealth Systems have made available to all viewers of Spotty and today we talk about how one step can change everything. Now no one, none of us actually who are here on the program today just started and then basically you know we're here now. It all began with a desire to learn and then, you know, taking that first step to acquire knowledge. And then, you know, accomplished investors and traders don't just, you know, become that way just day one after starting. You know, even if you're really champing at the bit, you've seen the Facebook posts, you've <laughs> seen the little rockets on your Twitter, on your Twitter feed, whatever the case may be. If you're champing at the bit, what you got to focus on and try to do is lift yourself out of that and focus on taking small steps, slowly and steadily, like the tortoise so that you will eventually get to your destination. Starting small and acquiring the skills first is key to reducing the risk of absolute loss, which you know definitely relieves one of the main pressures that can occur with investors when you cop a big hit, because it takes a long time to climb back up the mountain. So go to uh, the website, www.16trades.com to download the ebook and learn why one slow, steady step at a time can change everything, particularly your long-term returns. At the moment, uh, as we uh, go to where, just uh, calling up the XJO there. The XJO is, oh uh, well, no, that doesn't uh, look quite right. So bear with me a moment, folks. I'm going to uh, have a look at my little page here uh, at the minute, or it might very well. The market may very well have spiked. Sorry about this. Uh, no, it's not, no. The XJO down 0.1%. Um, the All Ordinaries down 0.12%. So. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, still a flat day, not disastrous by any means. A few of the smaller guys getting whacked though. But gentlemen, we are going to uh, now power through um, some of these questions. And I want to tap uh, uh, Felipe in regards to this one. Oil search uh, from Cray. He believes that oil search looks like it represents good value at the moment. I'm assuming through a detailed DCF analysis where he's, you know, got a thousand line items uh, in case you're wondering, Felipe, um, that he believes that it's fair value at the moment. And he'd love to know our thoughts. OSH is the code.
2: Yeah, look, a lot of the oil players have have been a bit of a value trap for the last year or 18 months, Mm. Uh, especially with COVID. Oil prices are far lower than they were uh, earlier in the year. So, Oil Search has operations in Papua New Guinea. There's obviously a fair bit of sovereign risk there. Although their deposits and what they've got there is very substantial, I think from the sounds of it, they need about $33 US a barrel to be 2023 free cash flow positive. Mm. Um, our pick of the space would probably be a Santos or a Woodside, um, but realistically, we're not fond of oil overall anyway.
1: Okay, and yeah, look, we talked about Woodside yesterday, you know, the best and premium of the oil producers in Australia by kilometres, and yet its share price has underperformed the oil ordinaries for the last 10 years. It's a very tough space, that oil space, probably money to be made in the small-end explorer side, but even someone like a Cenex who came up with a very strong update today, its share price hardly moved. It's, um, for whatever reason, just one of those, uh, you know, very tough investment, uh, you know, sort of stories, and possibly uh, easier companies elsewhere but yeah uh, that recent sell off has created a bit of value in the sector um, david i do want to um, uh, hit you with this particular uh, question here comes from sharon who's uh, uh, emailed us a question at spotty.com.au technology one tne it's a company that uh, regularly comes up on this program generally seen uh, seen as quite favorable by uh, most uh, of the guests on the show do you share that um, positive view on tne
0: uh Geez, you caught me by surprise there. Let me just have a quick look. Uh, the chart yeah, no, uh, looks okay. like it's starting to move back. It's starting to move back up here, mm. uh, back into a positive, uh, positive trend. And um, there seems to be buying interest. But look, let me just have a quick look at my numbers here. Uh, yeah, look, it's a good return on equity the, that they're generating. Um, the multiples, it's pretty high up, the 46. Times earnings multiple, uh, 2.7 billion market cap, and forward multiple um, of 38 times. So, so it's not exactly cheap, is mm. is what I'm saying. But if I look at the, just want to have a look at their growth, the earnings growth over the period. Yeah, look, their return on equity has been excellent, um, and it, the the revenue growth's been a bit up and down. But it looks like uh, they've had a bit of a turnaround here, around 12-13% over the last um, two two halves. I, I, would, uh, I would be rushing to buy it personally myself. i a pullback here. But if, you, if, if you've already got the stock, you'd probably stay stick with the trend. Uh, but you would not want it to see a go below $8 would be my line in the sand on this one. You'd have a stop loss below that.
1: No, that makes sense. All right, Felipe. Look, uh, an interesting question. Sharon uh, did send another stock in as part of her question. She wants to know our view in regards to the next DC, NXT, of course one of the uh, darlings of recent times uh, you know no one's convinced us yet that the internet's going to be a smaller part of our lives in 10 years than what it is today and anyone that controls that highway and basically where the uh, let's just call it the uh, you know the, the garages of the uh, super highway being the data centers has done quite well do you have a favorable view on nxt felipe yeah
2: look it's definitely one we've held in the past with clients i still have a few clients that hold it currently Yep. Uh, NextDC is essentially an owner and operator of data centers. So with the explosion in cloud computing across the country and across the world, uh, you've got your massive players like your Amazons, your Googles, uh, as well as your smaller players. NextDC over the last three or four years has gone from, I think, three data centers to they're building their 12th or 13th. Um, a couple of years ago, they came under a little bit of pressure uh, just because their margins had started to come under pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. That seems to have been rectified. So although I I wouldn't be buying them at these levels at 1360 or 1370 where they are now. Um, Long term, it's still one that I still think has runway. Um, Once they stop continually raising capital to build more centers, they should be actually having a good amount of free cash flow.
1: Yeah, and obviously a lot of uh, support going into that space and one of those stocks that a lot of investors, Felipe, have watched for quite some time as it keeps heading northeast and lamenting that it doesn't retrace, and that's just the nature um, of that business where that's the slow and steady cash flow, and hopefully one day paying dividends as an infrastructure play. Um, David, this is an interesting question. There's a whole range of we've actually got quite a few from Phil, Joanne and there's a number of others. I won't go into um, all the names. but it appears that the drone sort of space or security space has really come up a uh, focus. Uh, EOS, Electro Optic Systems is one company. Drone Shield DRO is another one. Uh, you can even throw into that group, um, Amaro International 3DA, um, that uh, we've got a question on as well. So I'm not gonna get you to comment on all of them per se, but I think I'd be very interested just to hear, um, you know, your overall view in regards to this sort of security um, space at the minute. And if any of those three are stocks that have come onto your radar that you're a fan of?
0: Well, out of those three, Elio, uh, the one I, I prefer the most is EOS. Um, mm. You know, they've they've got, um, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger in size, much bigger than the other two. The other two are small caps. Um, so if you look at EOS, you know, they're in the defence space and communication uh, area. And, um, you know, they seem to be... Getting some traction with signing up contracts, and the outlook looks very positive for the company. The, the share price has just been trading, tracking sideways, but this is like a, you know, almost a $900 million market cap. So, you know, it's much bigger in size than the other two. So, this is the one that if I was going to play this space, this defense space, that this is the one I would be looking, definitely looking at. If um, it's not right now, it's just tracking sideways. So, it really needs to break above this level where it's sitting right now. With convincing volume, there's not much volume going on at the moment, or buying or selling, I should say. And it seems to be between a range of uh, yes, you know, five dollars twenty-five to where it is right now, around six dollars. So I would I would be just waiting for further news on. This. I mean, you know, they're still not earnings positive at this stage. So um, for that reason, they did say that they'll be cash flow positive by the end of this year, the last quarter. So there's no hurry, rush to. To go in and buy this stock right now. But uh, out of the other three, again, this one, EOS, is, is the leader in my view, and the one that's uh, got some traction with um, defense contracts out there.
1: What about you, Felipe? Uh, do you know any of them, Drone Shield, EOS, or 3DA? Yeah, look, I've heard of
2: Drone Shield and EOS. Um, like David mentioned, EOS is probably the one that passes the most filters in terms of revenue, in terms of cash flow, market cap, et cetera. Um, With all three, I'd be cautious, Uh, that's what I would say. Um, The whole space has actually come under a lot of support since June 30, I think when the government actually announced the $270 billion package spending on defence. Drone Shield, look, is probably the one that I'm most excited about, although I wouldn't be buying clients into it. If you're inclined to take a bit of a punt and you're looking for upside, it is an interesting story. They listed about 20 cents uh, in 2016. They're still at that 20 cent mark. That being said, their market cap has doubled because they've issued new shares. Um, But if they can get a piece of the much larger pie, there's no reason they couldn't go up in share price, Uh, and their revenues have been increasing very slightly. So it's an interesting one. Uh, My pick of the three would be Drone Shield, just because I think there's a bit of upside there, Uh, but I'd be cautious with all three.
1: Well, then I might as well pick up 3DA and talk about that one then. Uh, Interesting little business that makes uh, complex components that are used in uh, metal 3D printing. So no, not the little plastic stuff that you can buy for your home unit actually using metal. Um, Now in 2013, actually, they established this business in joint partnership with Monash. And it's got some key clients across, uh, you know, defense and and even now the space sector with a uh, contract that they've uh, just won uh, recently. And they've got a steady stream of uh, contracts actually coming through. Uh, By the company's own admission though, they're still looking for their first big whale. That is their first large customer. Um, And uh, look, if they don't get it soon, then you may very well be able to buy it cheaper than here because its share price has popped on the very huge potential that it has. And don't tell me about it. There's a lot of those stocks at the moment, isn't there? So if you're gonna play the game, keep your stop losses tight, watch it closely. Um, But if you are patient and if they don't come up with that whale, Clients anytime soon, you may be able to even buy at a cheaper level than here on in. But it has had a great run in recent times. Um, Felipe, are you familiar with a very small business by the name of Change Financials, CCA? Um, Anthony just uh, asks about it. It's an innovative fintech business, let's call it that, a US focused, looking at payment gateways and all that sort of thing. Effectively, it's like a mini me EML. Um, they've got a a partnership with MasterCard and and all sorts of things. But of course, like a lot of these guys, you know, they're trying to make their way in this big, crazy world. Do you have a view on CCA for Anthony?
2: Look, it's not one I'm terribly familiar with. Um, I know they made a fairly big acquisition uh, only a few months ago of um, a business which is called Wirecard for $7.8 million dollars. Uh, At this stage, I mean, it's far too speculative, you know, for us to have a real serious look at it. Um, At 13 cents, you know, they're one that had a market cap of under 100 mil. It's not one we'd be touching.
1: Yeah, okay. Fair enough, too. And, uh, yeah, to you, Lindsay, who asked about Kicker KYK, who's in the fintech sort of space, too. If you think uh, uh, this one here, CCA is speculative, Kicker is way down there. So I'd be definitely very cautious in regards to that. They've got a lot of challenges um, ahead of them. Um, Okay, David, I do want to ask you, there's a question here that uh, uh, comes through asking about gold stocks. Again, now we've talked about Northern Star, gold's been a a theme um, of today, obviously, and that's because a lot of them have done incredibly well. Um, He has given us three stocks, so he would like to know uh, the best that uh, we feel from a fundamental and technical perspective. The three codes, in case you're just wanting to uh, write them down, Uh, WAF, West African Resources, WGX, West Gold Resources, and Bellevue Gold, BGL. Um, For what it's worth, just to give you a bit of time to call up those charts, BGL and West Gold is where I'd be looking at. Uh, Bellevue, that project there looks highly prospective. It's open on all all fronts. Extensions could likely be uh, coming in in coming months in regards to their drilling program, which they're incredibly active with at the moment. Um, Its share price has had an amazing run from the penny dreadful status to now be over a dollar. And yeah, it's uh, uh, now Australia's next uh, mid-tier gold producer. It's had a good run. West gold, same thing, very prospective tenement, uh, quite a solid um, uh, little play as well. West African resources, I just don't know as much about. Um, So I'm probably going to just put that one down because you can't hold everything, of course. Um, at the end of the day, David, uh, any of those three tickle your fancy?
0: Well, yeah, uh, I, I like the first one actually. Uh, West African resources—they Africa, yep. they look good. Yeah, they—they they look good on valuation. They've got a good growth profile. They're going to produce something like two hundred seventeen thousand ounces over the next five years. Um, you know, and uh, their cost all in, all in sustaining costs, I think, is around twelve hundred or something like that. Um, U.S. So, so uh, they, they look like the great profile and um, and they're not um, overly expensive. So that one would be my pick out of three. If you look at uh, the the second one, which was Westgold, um, yeah. it, it's had a, a bigger move up here. Uh, but the problem I've got with Westgold is they've got um, hedging. They've got they've they've locked in some hedging of two hundred thousand ounces. Now they're producing they produce two hundred thirty five thousand ounces. The problem I've got with them is they're all in sustaining costs. And Australian dollars is yep, just over fifteen hundred.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. So they're high costs. And plus they've hedged two hundred thousand ounces at Australian two thousand eighty two dollars. So they're missing out on extra at least an extra six hundred dollars per ounce on the upside. So that is not my preference. I'd be selling taking profits on that one yep. and probably going into um, West Africa. And the last one as you notice is Explorer. It's one of the highest Gone, great explorers, and they look like you know that's an exploration play. I mean, they're not going to be in production for at least at least another couple of years, but they've got 2.3 million resource, about 10 grams per ton, so really impressive. And and obviously that's that will likely grow over time. That's exploration play than anything. Why I liked um, Medusa is because they're completely I forgot to mention also unhedged mm. in the market so i like it for that reason as well so you've got to look at these any of these gold companies you're looking to buy you've really got to see if they've locked in this is one of the things that held back resolute by the way yeah, resolute was true. held back before, you know they, they had to run down their hedge book uh, which they did by the end of june so their quarter is what is their best but you know again a west african is is resources also in west africa and um yeah, you know, that's also considered a bit of a sovereign risk, like you can see what's happened to Resolute as a result being in Mali. But um, you know, and that one's still great value as far as I'm concerned. I think that's the cheapest gold stock in the market, Resolute, in the in the big end of town of 400,000 ounces. But you know, again, have a look at the hedge book. How much are they forward? Have they sold forward in any producer? And um, that's why I, I don't like West Gold at this stage.
1: All right then, Felipe, I'm gonna ask you about two stocks to help us see the light on in a moment, but just to squeeze in a few others that you've asked about. And unfortunately, if we don't get to all your questions in this show, remember, keep watching following shows, look at the bottom of the recording, and you'll be able to uh, see uh, what companies were discussed there. Um, Greg asked about S2R Resources, uh, which is a nickel and copper and gold explorer. Two big events coming with this one, uh, Greg, really, this month. That's only worth watching. They've got electromagnetic surveys being conducted at Fraser Ridge um, and at uh, Arnie in Finland. They're looking for gold at the moment, and we're expecting some drill results to actually come on the back of that. So therefore, uh, stay tuned for that. Phil, you asked about Open Learning. It's a stock, a uh, code OLL. It's a stock that I covered in an AFR article a few weeks back. It's had a quite, quite a good run, actually, on its share price. Uh, since that totally unrelated, of course, it's its own business. Software as a service in the education space—they've they built what they call an open creds framework, which allows corporations and um, uh, educational institutions to provide a consistent exam and uh, marking framework across all the boards, so you can easily implant it and move it. Now, you correctly say, what will happen after COVID? Um, you know, will will eventually all this change? I don't think it will. In fact, I think universities will. Uh, and they've already been moving, to, even prior to COVID, had been moving to a lot more online learning and delivery. And the last piece of the puzzle was the exam piece or the study piece. If they are able to, and look, they should be winning some more contracts. They're having a little bit quiet, so that's probably the only caution I'd possibly throw in. I'd be looking forward to an update from the company shortly in regards to that. Um, but you know, we haven't heard anything there. But if the promise is actually met and they can get their foot in the door with this OpenCreds framework, then that's the next kicker for the business moving forward. Um, And that's what obviously investors are banking on. All right, Felipe, time for you to help us see the light on two stocks that we should go off and uh, toddle off and do our own research into and see whether they align with our objectives and tolerance to risk. So what companies do you want to help us see the light on today?
2: Yeah, so I thought I'd focus on two stocks that are a little bit more on the exciting, exciting end of what we would normally look at. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is Pushpay PPH. Uh, So despite the name, it actually has nothing to do with Buy Now, Pay Later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pushpay is essentially in donation and payment systems, so software as a service. Uh, Their main market are charities and church-based organisations. The business has four to five years of revenue growth. They've been profitable for two years. Uh, They've got a 6% market share in the US and they're looking to grow that aggressively. So at the moment, they've got about 9,000 churches on their books. Uh, the key to them is with COVID, it's all obviously accelerated their sales pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got recently, end of financial year, they had 32% growth in revenue. They had gross operating margins increasing from 60 to 65%. Uh, so there's a lot of tailwinds there. And it's been, it's been one that's done very well for clients and one that we continue to buy. Yep.
1: Um,
2: the, and, and they're coming out with their half yearly, I think, early November. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so they, they're in war
1: September.
2: Yeah, so they've been, they've been trending sideways, what, since June, July. Uh, that being said, if they can come out with some positive results, there's no reason they can't break out of that trend.
1: And the other stock that you'd like to help us see the light on? And
2: the other one is an interesting one, which is PolyNovo, uh, which is a, a bit of a hot stock. It's been spoken about for some time. Um, PolyNovo essentially helps people with burn patches. So predominantly people that have burn uh, terrible burns whereby you can't use a skin graft. They've got a patch which is patented. It's called Novosol BTM. Uh, Year on year, they got 104% revenue growth. Uh, Between the March and the June quarter, they got 33% revenue growth. So it showed that they weren't terribly impacted by COVID. Um, Although they are still a fairly high risk proposition uh, at these levels, they're still 25 to 30% off their recent highs. Um, And on top of that, they're moving off a very small base as far as sales is concerned. So their run rate at the moment is around 24 mil rev a year. Uh, The leading uh, product in the US alone does about 500. So all the clinical studies have shown that they've been very effective. If management can continue to deliver, uh, it's one that I see a bright future for.
1: Now, uh, and PPH, uh, Pushpay and P&V are the two stocks that Felipe wants to help us. See the light on. Just quickly, Lindsay, you asked about Adalta 1AD. Look, a uh, few episodes back, Tony Lacantro was on the show. It was a stock that he helped us see the light on. There's been no necessarily changes there in regards to that. He's very optimistic on the stock, and I'd encourage you to go back and have a look at the replay to get what his view is of it. Uh, he knows it very well, given he raised capital for it. Uh, but that's all we have time for today, folks, and for this week. So uh, I want to thank, on behalf of all of you, David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Thank you very much for your participation today.
0: Always a pleasure. Thanks, Elia.
1: And WealthwiseEducation.com is where you want to go to learn about his services and the upcoming education events. And to our debutant, Felipe Bui from Medallion Financial Group. Thank you for your contribution today, and for that stellar backdrop. With something like that, you're welcome on this show anytime.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to it.
1: Yeah, welcome to the spotty bus. Medallionfinancial.com.au is where you can go to learn all about the services that Felipe does offer. Uh, now, uh, that's all we have time for this week, as I said. So go to spotty.com.au uh, to watch the replays and also learn a bit about our highly specialized consulting services that we now offer at Spotty Proprietary Limited. Uh, if a question pops up to mine over the weekend, send it in early, uh, send it to question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480 079 089. And given you've got a few days to do it, take your question as a video question. Just make sure it's in horizontal mode when you uh, shoot it. Um, Also, uh, remember if there's any expert that you'd like to see on the show, we're getting a little thin on the ground as you know, so please send uh, me an email, question at spotty.com.au and also get get in contact with them and that way they don't think I'm a telemarketer. And Bernie, in regards to your question, they're not interested. Thanks again to our sponsor, ShareWorld Systems and remember to go to 16trades.com to learn the 16 traits of successful investing. Thanks again to Ticker for letting us take an hour of prime time for the last three days. Thanks Mike for once again pushing all the right buttons Stay tuned for the Ben Robin Robo Show, which is coming up next. And until next week, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Now try to stay out of the papers.
2: Stream us live on the Ticker app, Apple TV, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TickerTV.com.au. Ticker, streaming news now.